and welcome along to episode 82 of the All Things Leeds podcast, the Christmas special of the All Things Leeds podcast. It's going to be exactly like every other episode, it's just this is going out on uh, Christmas. As you can see, I've got the uh, Santa hat on, uh, Charles has got some kind of wacky hat, you, you described it earlier, it's like a St. Patrick's Day hat, like a leprechaun hat that he just prayed red. Yeah, I don't know what it is, to be honest, it appears to be some kind of Christmas hat, I've got a lot of questions myself, but... Yeah, yeah, we're getting right into the Christmas spirit here, uh, of course I'm I'm in McIntyre, uh, let's introduce ourselves, I'm in McIntyre, and joining me, uh, remotely, of course, as always, my co-host, uh, Charles Foster. Charles, Merry Christmas, mate. Merry Christmas, mate, hope you have a good day to... Well, I say tomorrow because we're recording this on Christmas Eve, but I hope you have a good Christmas day. <laughs> yep, I hope you have a, a fantastic Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and your family, mate. And uh, Merry Christmas as well to everyone watching and listening. Merry Christmas to you and your families. If you do, celebrate it, of course. You might not. Uh, but yeah, plenty coming up uh, in this uh, Christmas uh, edition of the All Things Leeds podcast. Got to discuss uh, last Sunday's uh, defeat at Old Trafford. And we've got plenty of news to go over as well uh, before we look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which sees them take on Burnley at Ellen Road this Sunday. Loads coming up here on the All Things Leeds podcast. Well, let's begin by discussing uh, last Sunday's 6-2 defeat to Manchester United away at Old Trafford. Uh, Charles, what went wrong here? Do we have to discuss this? I kind of just blitzed it out of my memory at the time in a, in a yeah. haze of, you know, anger and alcohol, I think, was, was, was kind of the theme of that evening. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's horrible, isn't time... it? It's Christmas. We want to get into a Christmas spirit, but you have to talk about a 6-2 hammering to Manchester by the time, By the time I'd, I'd, I'd set it all up and I was watching it and I'd settled down with a beer, we were already 2-0 down and that pretty much set, set the tone for yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah, it was just dreadful. The first twenty minutes, in particular, it just we just played like we'd been on the lash the night before. We just didn't track any runs, didn't defend properly, gave the ball away incredibly cheaply. The midfield, in general, all game really were woeful at stopping them cutting through us. It was just you know mistake after mistake after mistake, and the first one is just Rafinha losing the ball on the halfway line and cheaply, and then they just counter cut through us. No one tracks Scott McTominay's run. He fires in. Good strike, really, to be fair, bottom corner. Not really much as they can do about it. Second one is a great kind of throw-in routine from Scum. They kind of work it in from the edge of the pitch. They spot the run of McTominay, and he's not tracked by click at all. He he nips in behind the defence and puts puts it past Meslier. Can't really blame the keeper for that one either. And then we're 2-0 down, and it's all looking a bit terrible <laughs> yeah i mean it, it was terrible it wasn't looking terrible it was terrible i mean yeah yeah it was just yeah really really frustrating i mean the, the defensive midfield were non-existent in this game really you know conceding six goals we could have easily conceded 20 goals with the amount of chances uh scum created but you know we created a lot of chances as well to be fair and, you know, there's a lot of negatives in this game but i think there's a lot of positives as well I mean, what, what what were your initial feelings after the game? And are they any different now compared to what they were uh, straight after the game on Sunday? You, you're talking about my rational football mind feelings or my emotional, just I got hammered by your biggest rivals feelings because <laughs> they're very different things. I was very angry after the game. I was good because I thought the, the players didn't put in the performance that the fans expected of them or I expected of them in a game of that magnitude. It's all right. I say it's all right. It's not all right, but it's more acceptable to turn up like that against Palace or, you know, even Burnley this weekend or Mm. someone like that. You know, someone you've got no no history with no you know there's no pride on the line for it it's slightly more acceptable to turn up and just be half-assed but we were just particularly for the first kind of 20-30 minutes I thought we were absolutely dreadful 
I thought we improved after half-time, to be honest. I know they just kept scoring, but I just thought we played much better after half-time. You talk about chances that we had. Uh, obviously, we scored two goals. We had another two clear-cut chances. There was one in the first half that Bamford put wide on his right foot and one in the second half. I'm talking about the proper like clear cut probably should have been goals one the one that Jack Harrison had right at the end of the game where he, he should have really made it 6-3 and he was he, it was pretty much open goal but 8 or 9 yards out that, that yeah. should have been a goal so really I'm, I'm, the Bamford one's a bit more difficult because he's trying to nip behind and he's you know on a, on a bad angle and stuff and he's on his weaker foot so I'll give him a bit more of leeway on that one but Jack Harrison should be burying that one at the end of the second half yeah yeah definitely. Um, there's one that Rafinha had kind of nipped off his feet um, early on in the first half you know that got crossed in uh, that just they just just about defended. I, I didn't think they defended well either, though. I've got to say, going forward, they kind of they tore us to pieces. They dragged us all over the place. But when we went forward, they were pretty dreadful as well defensively. Mm. I thought we got in behind quite easily. I thought from set pieces they didn't look strong either, which is where our first goal came from. This, um, but I say, even though I've criticised him for his performance in this game and rightly so, he conceded six goals. I did feel a bit sorry for Liam Cooper scoring away at Old Trafford and not even being able to celebrate because we were already falling down. Yeah, that's that's got to be going. Stuart Dallas did the same. Is great goal, great finish, but ultimately it'll be lost in the uh, the kind of you know shock and disgust of the defeat. Is it obviously yeah. it is a shame because it was a good goal. I know he's had a bit of bad press in recent years, but he's still top five goalkeepers in the world this day. So you know to bang it top corners, good effort. Fair play to Stuart Dallas there, but yeah, we did have a few opportunities. If you if you, if you're talking generously, we. When we were clinical, we should have probably scored four. But if you're talking generously in there being clinical, they probably should have scored eight or nine. There was a chance that um, Martial had where he went in one-on-one. Mesley made a good save there. There was one where uh, Fred uh, intercepted a throw out from Mesley after we gathered after a corner. And all he had to do was square it to Martial and it was a goal. And he decided to go for goal himself, gave Mesley the chance and he saved it. So look, there, was, there was a couple there straight away that should have gone in. There was a, there was, there was a lot of them. It, was a, it wasn't a very stable game. It was like a, a Sunday league game, really, with the amount of goals that could have been scored. Really, you know, it, it, it yeah, it, it was poor defensively, you know, from both sides. Really, as you say, we could have scored, you know, six or seven ourselves, but Man United could have scored, you know, eight or nine themselves. Really, uh, yeah, I feel as though our failure to put away chances, you know, cost us a bit here. You know, as you mentioned, Bamford's chance that was when we were two 0 down. If it makes it two one. Could have been a completely different game. Uh, Rafinha as well, his chance when it was a 5-1. You make it 5-2, you may think, all right, comeback could be on here. You know, three, three goals, more than capable of scoring uh, another three goals in the game. Jack Caverson's chance as well. Uh, yeah, we need to work on that really because, you know, especially Bamford, you know, he, he of course put the ball in the back of the net. It was offside, but yeah, he had a number of good opportunities there, did Bamford. And uh, yeah, probably should have put that away. And it's, it's a clear weakness again this season, our failure to put away uh, good opportunities. But, um, you know, the defence though, defence and midfield, they were shocking this game. It, it was really awful. Sorry to interrupt you, mate. Uh, but that Bamford one, you know, the one that he scored, that offside one, correct me if I'm wrong here, and please do. <laughs> It comes off the scum defender, doesn't it, from Rafinha's shot? So why is that regarded as a pass in the offside rule? If it comes off the opposition player, surely you can't be offside. It's when the initial shot is taken, Bamford's in an offside position. Is, is, he, is, he, is he offside with the initial shot? Yeah, yeah. just because just from when I saw it, I thought, well, if given it's come off him there, he's free to take the shot if he wants. 
Yeah, no, it, it doesn't matter about, yeah. you know, a, a deflection. Yeah, yeah when, fair when enough. When the it, initial shot, Bamford is offside. It, it, yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, I didn't see the angle when he, when he initially took the shot, but it, yeah. yeah, fair enough. I must admit, you know, at first after this game, I was I was fuming and I was going to do a a match reaction, a live match reaction after the game, and um, I'm glad that we ended up not doing it because um, yeah, I was just fuming and yeah, I've kind of now, you know, I'm still not happy about it, but you know, I kind of you know let my emotions settle down now and you know, just look at the bigger picture, really. You know, I think if we had lost six two to Manchester City, but put in that performance. I wouldn't be too affected by it, really. Of course, I'd be upset that we lost. But, you know, I, I think we showed good spirit in the game, you know, just to keep on going until the final whistle. Uh, but just on this day, you know, defensive midfield, as I say, we're, we're poor and, and we failed to put away chances. Uh, what, what about you, Charles? Do you think if, if it was against any other team, it, it would have been that bad? It's just because it's against them lot, you know, it's it's, it's more frustrating. No, um, it's not just because it's against them lot. I was very angry when we lost 4-1 to Crystal Palace as well. That was bad. That was unnecessary, and um, I was angry when we lost that that bad list to Leicester. It, it, it does hurt more because it's them, and it hurts yeah. more because we we they just look like they wanted it far far more. They're like I know they they obviously they've got this you know five hundred six hundred million pound squad. They're far they're about five or six times worth worth more than ours. And I know I think at the, at the end of the game, I think our defense was worth about five point three million. For what we signed for it, and their attack was like in like, <laughs> like ten times that or more. So I, I understand there's, there's these factors. But you know, there's we were, we were like missing five yard passes and you know giving the ball away cheaply and not tracking runs and things and these are things that are simple to be expected every game of football and you you can forgive getting I can forgive losing I can't forgive losing but you know what I mean losing is easy as a swallow when you yeah. are comprehensively you know dominated upon and you you know you play a team and they just beat you because they're just much better than you they didn't play well enough for me to justify us getting battered that hard if you know they they, they they were okay but they weren't brilliant we just made them look brilliant because we didn't track yeah. a lot of their runs and we got dragged out the midfield got dragged all over the place they didn't have to go or try hard or you know put in extreme amounts you know put in extreme amounts of effort to you know just comprehensively beat us because realistically if you give away two cheap goals in the first three minutes you're going to lose the game that's it it's gone mm. and then you're there for 87 minutes trying to get back into it so yeah that's just the way it goes I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't think they were brilliant. I really didn't. I just thought we were that poor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. We, we were definitely poor, but I do feel as though we did show a, a bit of fight. You know, a bit of character and spirit. You know, just to keep on going in, until the end. But uh, yeah, it was just just not our day, really. Yeah, both ends of the pitch it was yeah quite poor and um and yeah frustrating and you know it, it's awful as well because you you hype, you hype yourself up before the game you know you go into it you're absolutely buzzing playing Manchester United first time in the Premier League for, for 16 years Calvin Phillips has been in the press saying that it's been you know it's the biggest game of the season and yeah they're, they're putting a performance like that is is yeah it, it is disappointing but you know I feel as though there is still plenty of positives to take from it you know the, our spirit is you know it's, it's definitely a a big positive there um and yeah, as I say, you know, when when you look at the bigger picture, you know, three senior centre backs out and Robin Cock, Diego, UNT, and Berardi. Three senior centre backs out. You know, the back four consisted of two wingers playing at full back, a full back in centre back, and then our captain limped off in the second half. You know, when you look at the bigger picture, you know, of course we lost. You know, it's never going to be easy. And of course we lost because, yeah, we, they've got so much quality, expensive players, a fantastic attack, and our defence is, is a bit makeshift. So, you know, when you when you look at it like that, and then of course we lost. 
I know what you're saying, but I, I can't accept that. I think you need to just be better. I think you need to be. Mm. I think we, if we just kept it, I know we we never do this, but if we just kept it, you know, tight and you know, not tried anything, you know, too expansive. Of course, I love our style of play. If we just kept it tight for the first ten minutes or so and eased our way in instead of you know. I mean, the first goal was a proper sucker punch, but you'd think the players would think, right, well, we've conceded there. Let, let's you know tighten things up a bit and let's um, let's be, you know, be a bit more practical and pragmatic and they. They just the same thing happened again, like a minute later. And you've got to think, I know it's and it's I know it's difficult. I know you're away from home, but come on. Yeah. I mean a lot of pundits after the game questioned Bielsa's style here, saying that we were a bit too naive. I mean, were we too naive, do you think? I don't think it's down to naivety. I think it's just it wasn't because we didn't really get countered on that badly, and it was never that. It was it they they just outdid us with with the uh, with the effort I think for the most part I think they just they just ran a bit harder and they closed us down and we didn't take advantage of, when we did get forward a bit we we were wasteful and we we weren't clinical with our chances yeah and and you know silly mistakes giving the ball away too easily you know for for their first few goals you know just just too easy for them really but. Uh, yeah, I I don't think we were too naive, I, I, and I just think you know it's it's what you're gonna get with Bielsa, you know it's his style of play, you know it, it's very expansive, but you know you're gonna leave space in behind, and teams can exploit that, and they do, and sometimes you're gonna get hammered, uh, and it's just what you put up with 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 Bielsa, really, you know if you want good quality football, you know you, you you're gonna have to put up with something like this. I mean, a lot of I people don't... saying that Bielsa just changes ways, but Bielsa said in his press conference uh, this week ahead of a Burnley game that. Uh, he's not going to change his ways. Not surprising at all. And, you know, he shouldn't, should he? You know, we shouldn't change our style of play. I'm not, I don't see anyone criticising Sean Dyche's style of play when they get hammered 5-0 by Man City every season. Yeah. I don't see any, I don't see any armchair pundits, you know, having having a bloody go at uh, Sean Dyche for, you know, putting two and, not, you know, not, not being expansive enough, not trying to score more goals. People just go, oh, well, the Burnley, of course, they're going to lose 5-0 to Man City. And, you know, I don't accept that. I would rather... I'd rather take a few beatings and, you know, be entertained by watching us play than just watch Dross and us get beat anywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think just we just should we should just listen to the uh, pundits who actually talk sense, like Roy Keane and Gary Neville. Can't believe I'm saying this, but they're actually <laughs> praising Leeds United, which is uh, nice to see. Saying that we're breath of, breath of uh, fresh air, and we are. You know, we we definitely. I know we're playing entertaining, entertaining football. Picking up some good results, but then yeah, there's going to be days like this throughout the season, uh, unfortunately. But um, let, let's get into the game. Let's let's break it down and go over the goals. So of course, horrible start, two 0 down after just three minutes. Uh, midfielder Scott McTominay scoring both of these goals, becoming the first player in Premier League history to score twice in the first three minutes of a match. And um, yeah, Charles, you mentioned it earlier. You know, it were, these were just too easy, weren't they? You know, you know, the first goal, Rafinha gives it away. No one closes down Bruno Fernandes. McTominay's given way too much space and time to set himself and take the shot. You know, that's poor to concede. And the second goal as well, you know, click doesn't pick up McTominay. It's just poor defending from both midfield and, and defence, isn't it? Yes, just a poor, as I said earlier, it's just, you know, not tracking runs, giving the ball away cheaply. We, we did it all, all game and we got punished for it all game. We didn't always concede, but they always got good chances out of it. And I thought all the bad stuff we've been talking about in recent weeks, you know, giving the ball away, not tracking runs, you know, giving away cheap free kicks. I thought we did that a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, easily avoidable, you know, and, and there's clear, you know, things that, that we that we can work on an eye now. Yeah, it's just the same mistakes over and over again, which is just disappointing. Of course, 3-0 in 20 minutes, Bruno Fernandes scoring. Too easy again for him. 
you know, Phillips is caught ball watching, doesn't look over shoulder to see Bruno Fernandes there, who, who's free and unmarked. I think if Phillips looks over his shoulder, he goes to him and marks him, but he just didn't. And yeah, Bruno Fernandes, free, free hit at goal. And uh, yeah, he goes past uh, quite a few players into the back of the net. Yeah, just just poor again. And of course, 4-0 in 37 minutes. Uh, Lindelof scoring from a corner, uh, Marshall flicking on the header. And then, yeah, Lindelof, free have a back post to tap it in and Phillips again losing his man and you know Calvin Phillips he had a poor game here didn't he well yeah he got brought off at half time for exactly that reason but set pieces have been trouble for ages particularly mm. at the back post it just I don't understand how a man marking system like ours leaves so many men on marks in the box it doesn't make any sense because if you think it, with with zonal you can understand things like that because you know players tend to move around a bit more and they're just they're there to mark specific areas but with man marking you're supposed to be you need to be in your man's pocket at all times. You need to be in his personal space at all times. You cannot let him drift in at the back post, completely unmarked with a free shot of goal. Yeah. Just silly, really. Yeah. I mean, Bruno Fernandes, I thought he had a Calvin Phillips in his back pocket for, for that first half. Um, of course, we pulled a, back, a goal back, though, on a 42 minutes. Liam Cooper heading home from a corner. Uh, and yeah, that left it 4 1 at half time. Uh, did you ever believe that a comeback uh, was on the cards? No. <laughs> I, no, to be honest, no, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't think we'd come back. I thought if we did, it'd be one of the greatest, you know, Premier League comebacks of all time. <laughs> but yeah. you, you know, I, I didn't expect it. Yeah, um, did I? Did especially I... with the two changes that we made at halftime, that didn't fill me up yeah. with a, a load of confidence. You know, having uh, Phillips and Click taking off for Struick and, and Shackleton. Shackleton moved to right back. Dallas moved into midfield, and then Struick occupied that defensive midfield role. I mean, me, these were interesting changes to say the least, but. No, I feel as though it was the right call because Phillips and Click, they were having quite poor games, really. And of course, they were both on four yellow cards as well. So if either of them picked up a yellow card in this game, then they're suspended for one match. So uh, yeah, the right call from Bielsa, really. Well, yeah, but I, th- I thought they were generally poor anyway. I would have taken them off regardless of the yellow card situation. Shriek was a bit, to be honest, was was all right, but he was he was a bit slow on the ball. There was a lot of times where he was on the ball and he appeared to not be aware that he was under constant pressure. <laughs> he, he thought he had a lot more time on the ball than he actually did. I didn't really see much from Shackleton, to be honest. He made a couple of decent challenges here and there, but not, nothing really other than that. And obviously Stuart Dallas eventually got his got his goal in the second half from from his midfield position, but obviously he didn't come on, he just moved forward a bit. I think they did work a little bit. I thought we were better in the second half. I did think we were a lot, a lot better and a lot tighter, but I think that was, was more down to, you know, personal pride, not wanting to, you know, concede a cricket score rather than, you know, you know, tactical genius. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were, we were, we were much, much better in that second half for me. You know, we, we started it well, you know, created a few chances, of course, Rafinha had that good chance and, uh, yeah, we, we, we were definitely much better in that second half. But uh, yeah, I just say, you know, it was personal pride more than anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, when it went 4-0, I was just like, all right, let's not concede any more goals here because I don't want to lose 5-0 or 6-0. Uh, you know, 6-2, you know. It's, it's embarrassing, but, you know, well, at least it wasn't 6-0, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it was personal pride more than anything. Yeah, as you say, you didn't want to make it into a cricket score. Uh, but of course, Dan James made it 5-1 on 66 minutes. Slotting the ball through uh, Meslier's legs. Uh, I feel sorry for Meslier there because he's been fantastic. And to concede a goal like that is just disappointing, really. Um, 6 1 on 70 minutes. Bruno Fernandes converting from the uh, penalty spots uh, after Shrik brought down Marshall in the box. Uh, no complaints here, really, Charles. It was a definite penalty, wasn't it? They just lays him out. <laughs> it's absolutely stone wall. He just, they just plows into his legs. It's, mm. yeah, didn't surprise me when it got given. Yep, no, and uh, yeah, Bruno Fernandes uh, converted the penalty. Uh, we pulled the goal back on 73 minutes, made it 6 2. Stuart Dallas here with a 
yeah, an awesome finish. Killing it into that top right-hand corner. No chance for David De Gea. And uh, yeah, as you say, it's disappointing that, you know, the goal came, you know, it, it didn't really matter. You know, that, that's the most disappointing thing because a world-class goal like that, you're thinking, you know, uh, you, you want a goal like that to come, you know, as an equaliser or, you know, a match winner, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that good of a goal. But to come when you're 6-1 down, yeah, it's disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, it's just meaningless, really. It'd be like if Jack Harrison got his one at the end of the game, if he'd have put that shot away. It'd just been just, you know, consolation, really. Just save a bit of pride. It didn't mean anything, which is a shame, because, you know, just going away at Old Trafford is great. If any Leeds player, you should be proud of that. But, you know, yeah. given the circumstances, it was it was nothing. No one, no one felt anything. I'd, to be honest, I didn't even celebrate any, uh, either of our goals. Because yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just... You know, I was like, well, you're not, <laughs> not going to count for anything. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't celebrate him either. But, you know, sure with Dallas's goal, you, you got, that was superb to watch. And uh, yeah, Rafinha as well, laying the ball off to uh, to Dallas there, brilliantly off from Rafinha. And uh, yeah, Rafinha assisted both of our goals in this game, uh, becoming the first uh, away player to assist two goals against Manchester United at Old Trafford since Tony Hibbert for Everton in April 2012. Um so yeah, six two the uh, the final score. I mean, you know, it could have been about twenty to fifteen the final score really with the amount of chances created. It was a ridiculous game, forty three shots in total in the game, the most in the Premier League game at Old Trafford since October twenty sixteen, uh, where there were 40, uh, 45 attempts in Man United's nil nil draw with uh, Burnley. Uh, yeah, an absolute ridiculous game here. But uh, yeah, six two the final score. Embarrassing, you know, it's a tough one to take, obviously. But you know, with the way we play, as I say, you know, we're going to get a thumping on some occasions, and unfortunately, it came here against Demlot, which is just uh, the most frustrating thing. Uh, but as I say, we if you take everything into account, you know, with our injuries in defence, Liam Cooper going off injured during the second half, and the amount of money Man United's team costs, you know, going forward, their quality, you know, we're all, of course we're lost, and you know, we, we just need to dust ourselves down now, Charles, don't we, and, and move on. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen Bielsa's press conference this morning, but Juventus uh, is back fit now, so that, that alleviates a bit of the injury issues at centre-half. But yeah, we do just need to move on. We just need to try and get some, some more points somewhere, because obviously the goal difference has taken a bit of a hammering again. Uh, I think, was it down to minus six now or something like that? Yeah. So Worked yeah. so hard, winning 5-2 midweek, getting that goal difference up, and then just comes cracking back down. Yeah, well, that's, that's football for you. Um <laughs> We'll just have to try and get some points against Burnley and not I wonder if it's possible to try and not concede a corner inside of an entire game of football. Because <laughs> Chris Wood is gonna nod in from a corner. I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I'd lump a tenner on it because it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Um but I just hope we can, you know, score enough at the other end that it is gonna matter. Yeah. Have we got any positives from the Manchester United game that we can take into the uh, Burnley game on Sunday? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you ask the question that's the honest answer no. <laughs> the positives to look forward to is that there are more games in this Premier League season to get points from that's the positive <laughs> <laughs> I like, at least we found the positive I like that I like yeah. that uh, no I, I, you know you can't you know knock our spirit from that Man United game and I feel that's a big positive but um but yeah, when, when you lose 6-2, yeah, there's not much to take from that, really. And yeah, you just hope we can bounce back. Um, of course, we stayed where we were in the Premier League table on 14th, um, on 17 points. Uh, we're now seven points above the relegation zone. Uh, but, you know, 17 points after 14 games, Charles. The second best return for a newly promoted side in six years. You know, we, we, we've said it on the podcast many times. You know, we will be fine, won't we? We will be fine. <laughs> um, I think so. I think so. There's... We'll have to see what happens with uh, 
Allardyce's West Brom, where they start grinding out these nil, the nil nils and one nils uh, that will drag them up the table a bit, and whether Fulham can drag some form together. But I think we'll be, I think we're, they're both awful. To be fair, congratulations! I want to say uh, Merry Christmas to all Sheffield United fans. You've doubled your points tally for the season at the weekend. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> congratulations for that. Yeah, they'll be going down as well. So yeah, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, but yeah, of course we move on to the uh, to Sunday's game against Burnley at home. Uh, we'll preview that game later on in the show. Well, the Leeds United and twenty threes finished off twenty twenty in style after thrashing Fulham seven one at Four Parch last Monday. Seven goals from seven different goal scorers here. Tyler Roberts opening the scoring in the first half, heading home from a corner, and Charlie Cresswell did the same soon after. And it was 3-0 before half-time. Pablo Hernandez, Bobby Camwa, uh, Joe Geldhart, and Helder Costa scored in the second half to cap off an impressive victory, increasing their lead at the top of the PL2 table to three points. Uh, Charles, you know, say what you want about them getting help from first-team players, but after 11 games, Mark Jackson's side are playing some impressive stuff, aren't they? Yeah, some great goals in there. I think, um, obviously, I saw a bit of stick off the Fulham fans for playing Roberts and Hernandez and Costa in a in a game like this, and I don't care, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's within the rules, and it's fairly funny. So, yeah, uh, yeah I know we have played a lot of first-team players, and Perveda's in there as well. But, you know, Perveda and Roberts are both under 23, so they're allowed to be in there. There's no, there's no rule break in there. Mm. I think Joe Gellart probably needs to be promoted to the first team at some point he's too good for the 23 level to be fair I think he, he's got serious promise and he's a great goal scorer and a good player in general to be fair I'm, 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 looking, forward to, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing a couple of these make the step up yeah yeah so am I and you know it's not like we're the only under 23 side who field first team players as well you know when we played Aston Villa they had Tom Heaton in goal you know so yeah I think those you know saying that Leeds United are cheating for playing first team footballers you know it's in the rules and other teams do it. So, you know, who cares? <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, the uh, Leeds Out in 23s playing some good stuff here. Um, and yeah, finishing off 2020 in style, a 7-1 victory over Fulham. Uh, uh, but yeah, the young 23s don't play again until the new year uh, when they take on Burnley away from home on uh, January the 11th uh, with a kickoff for that game at uh, 2 p.m. Um, now, the Leeds United women but unfortunately didn't end off a year in great style after uh, losing 2-1 at home to Liverpool Feds. Uh, hopefully Dan O'Hearn's side uh, can return to winning ways in their next game, uh, where they host Chorley at 2pm on Sunday the 3rd of January. Well, let's get into the news now, and uh, the January transfer window is just around the corner, and uh, yeah, plenty of reports have been flying around uh, linking Wolverhampton Wanderers winger Adama Traore with a move to Leeds United uh, this week. Uh, now, Charles, no doubt Traore is a top player and, you know, would be a quality signing, but do we really need him? Do we really need another winger? I wonder if it's possible to fill an entire team full of wingers. <laughs> you know, should, should we just stick him in goal? So we just play every <laughs> winger we've got? We don't need any more wingers. We need defensive players desperately. That's what yeah. we need. We need, for me, we need a proper left-back. We haven't had one in years now. And well, we, we have Barry Douglas. Yeah, but Barry Douglas never played. And when he did, he ran at about three miles an hour. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, Barry. But yeah, I'd, I'd be signing to the centre half as well. I think we still don't have enough cover. And I think out of all the positions on the pitch, I think centre half gets injured the most often for some reason. So yeah, I, I would I'd be signing more defenders if I was signing anybody. Yeah, so uh, but 
he is a good player, just Traore. I'm surprised that you know another club hasn't had a look at him yet. You know, Champions League club because I think he has got that potential to be there. And we've seen him for years. To be, you know, Middlesbrough, I remember him being there. I remember us playing uh, Gary Monk's Middlesbrough side in 2017. I remember uh, every time Traore got the ball, Gitana Berardi two-footed him, uh, which you could do in the Championship. There. <laughs> it was it was hilarious from the stands because every, every single time he got anywhere near the ball, he got he got volleyed up in the air, which is good because <laughs> every time he every time he started running with it, he caused massive problems, which obviously he has gone on to do uh, for Wolves. He is a good player. Would I be happy with assigning him? Wouldn't be unhappy. I would think it'd be a bit of a waste of money, personally, because I don't think we need him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, Adam Troy, a fantastic player. I'd be buzzing if we signed him, but yeah, I don't think we need any other wingers. You know, we didn't need any any other wingers before Rafinha came in, uh, but now we definitely don't. You know, Rafinha, Costa, Pereira, Harrison, Alioski, Dallas and Hernandez even, you know, that's seven wingers there. Uh, you know, yeah, we, we definitely don't need <laughs> any more, really. But uh, now, Traore definitely is, you know, a, a solid player. Although he hasn't really been doing as well as many people hoped he would. Uh, his best season at Wolves uh, came last season, where he registered four goals and nine assists in 37 Premier League games. Uh, but he's lacked game time this season, though, uh, which has uh, upset him quite a bit, as it would for anyone. Um, and yes, yeah, reported that contract renewal talks uh, have come to a standstill. Uh, but his current contract, though, doesn't run out until 2023. So, uh, yeah, as you, as you might imagine, you know, the price could be a bit big. And it's reported that the 24-year-old Spaniard could cost in the region of £40 million. Can, can you see us paying that much for him? We're not going to pay £40 million. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, we're, we're certainly not. I mean, you know, there is reports that the 49ers, San Francisco 49ers, could invest a lot more. So maybe that could uh, help you know sign a player you know around that much but you know Leeds United's club director Angus Canera said in a recent interview with the square ball that January could be quite quiet you know it's not to say that there's going to be no deals but uh, it, it could be quite a quiet window really and uh yeah I personally can't see it happening you know I think it'll be unlikely I, I don't think we'll want to spend that much on one single player you know you look at our summer signings they were all in the region of 15 million pound of course apart from Rodrigo so, yeah, I can't see a splashing £40 million plus on, on one player. I, I really, really can't. Victor Otto, though, is, of course, a big fan of Traore. Uh, signed him when he was the director of football at Middlesbrough in 2016. And, uh, yeah, we all remember Traore. Uh, you know, remember him from that 3-0 defeat at Middlesbrough in 2018 uh, where Bamford scored that hat-trick. Uh, and, yeah, Traore <laughs> slicing our midfield in half. You know, yeah, Traore, he's played with Bamford before. They linked up quite well. Victor Otto knows him quite well, so... You know, I, I guess it could work there, and I think that's you know that's why there's, there is a link there. But no, I, I personally can't see it happening really. But as I say, you know, no doubt would be a top signing. But um, yeah, Charles, Charles, do you, do you want Traore? Not really. I think yeah. it'd be a, a bad financial decision. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I'd, I'd rather spend that much money in uh, in other more important areas. Really, and multiple players in more important areas. You know, as you say, in defence. I, th- I think another centre back is needed for the cover because we've seen it. You know, Robin Cox out for another three months, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, I think a centre back is needed. A proper left sided left back as well is needed, and a midfielder as well, really. You know, to 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 take a bit of pressure off Pablo Hernandez, really. Um, and yeah, backup goalkeepers too. That would be quite nice, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, I feel as though you know, if we're going to spend forty million pound in the January transfer window, I'd rather buy you know two or three players. In, in different, more important positions, really, than uh, yeah, just one player. Definitely agree. Uh, 
January wish list, Charles. Uh, who, do, who do you want Leeds United to go for in January? I don't really have a January wish list, to be honest with you. I just want everyone who's injured to not be injured anymore. That's my wish, but <laughs> I'm not going to get that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have anybody I want. I think January is, is a window that there's a lot of potential to get, you know, your wallet rinsed by teams because teams desperately going for, you know, players to boost the chances in the January transfer window. So power's massively in the hands of the selling club. So we'll, we'll, we'll end up paying like a, you know, a five to 10 million premium on any player we actually want. So I'd, uh, I wouldn't be forced if we did no business in the January transfer windows, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, and even I, I think our squad right now would be fine, and I think that we will stay up with the squad that we have. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be too bothered if we did no business in January. Uh, I really wouldn't. And yeah, as you say, you know, January transfer window is notoriously, you know, pretty hard to, you know, make good deals in. So, uh, so yeah, if they if we can't find good deals, then and you know, there's there's no point signing anyone just for the sake of it. But um, you know, it's an interesting link and uh yeah definitely definitely one that's exciting but uh yeah as we say we won't be too bothered if that didn't happen but uh no it's definitely one to watch out for really heading into the uh, january transfer window um in other news uh, marcel bielsa has confirmed that club captain leon cooper uh, has an abdominal strain and is out of the burnley game uh however 27 year old spain international defender diego urente uh is fit to return uh charles how big of a loss will cooper be do you think well, I mean, fairly big. I mean, he's not been in great form of, of late, but, you know, he's, he's still a blow to lose your captain. Um, I'm sure that Luke A will take on the role because um, he's obviously vice-captain. I'm hoping that it'll give Urente the chance to step up and make, really make a proper contribution. And if he does well, he'll cement his place in the team, which I'll be glad to see. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, Liam Cooper, yeah. I, I think over recent weeks he's been a bit questionable really but uh, you know he is the captain and uh yeah i definitely do think you know we'll we'll, we'll we'll miss something from liam cooper but you know there is definitely you know definitely options there you know pascal strewick left footed center back he can slot right in there i uh, just say uh, luke Hale will probably uh get that captain's armband but uh get yeah, levente does he go straight in for you bearing in mind it's his second injury this season and you know he's only just returned w- would he go straight in for you this sunday i think he's got to i think Stick a look in back at right back, put your NC in at right centre back, Strick left centre back, and then probably Dallas left centre back. There's a left back, to be honest. And then leave Calvin Phillips in the DM role. That's the way I'd do it. Whether or not Bales wants to persist with Ailing at centre half is, I don't know, but we'll see about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, if if you don't want to fill Levente straight in, then, then Pascal Struick will do a good job. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, Diego Uente, even though it is his second injury and he's just returning. Yeah, he's a Spain international. I I think you you kind of need to put him straight in there, really, just to have that security, really. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, see what happens on Sunday. Um, and finally, seventeen uh, year old academy player Charlie Allen has signed his first professional contract at Leeds United. Uh, massive congratulations to Charlie Allen. <laughs> Let's now look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which sees them take on Burnley at Ellen Road this Sunday, the 27th of December. Uh, the game kicks off at 12pm and is live on Sky Sports and Sky One as well. So if you have Sky, but you don't have a Sky Sports subscription, you can still watch the game on uh, Sky One. Uh, now, Charles, how are you feeling heading into the game on Sunday? Wary. I'm wary of the set-piece threat that they've got. I'm wary of the height and the strength they've got in their team. And I'm... Um, Wondering what the confidence of our team is going to be like after the result, you know, last week. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm wary of them. I think we just because they're just because they're down there at the bottom of the table and they're obviously a 
a relegation rival, we should not take them lightly. They are the results I've been picking up recently. They've been picking up the odd draw, the odd win, and I think they are they are dangerous, particularly from set pieces. And I think we yeah. give, we are still giving away too many cheap set pieces that we don't need to. I think we need to be very careful not to underestimate them. And I think we would we do need to put them to get three points. I think that would be the best way to round off the year. I think we 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 get we get to the halfway point. We get to twenty points. That's that's the way to look at it. We need to be. And then we can push on into next year and you know try and get the next 20 points that we need to stay in this league. I think we need to sit like that. We need to be at it, concentrating, playing as well as we can and not giving away cheap goals. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely can't underestimate Burnley. You know, I think that they do lack, you know, a bit of quality, but, you know, definitely, you know, one of our biggest weaknesses is set pieces. And, uh, yeah, the likes of Chris Wood, Ashley Bands, uh, James Tarkowski as well, you know, they are strong at set pieces, it won't surprise you that on who scored.com, uh, aerial duels, uh, they are very strong at, at Burnley and they are strong at protecting the lead as well. Uh, the weak, though, at keeping possession of the ball, weak at finishing scoring chances, at weak at defending against uh, attack standard wings. So, yeah, it, you know, it, I think, I think you know, we, we could have you know a, a lot of joy, but um, yeah, definitely set pieces and aerial duels, they could cost us here, couldn't they, Charles? Well, yeah. Severely, we need to prevent corners and set pieces as much as physically possible. If we limit their their amount of corners they manage to get during the game, I think we we nullify a lot of their threat. Well, we know what Chris Wood is like as a striker because he's probably one of the the most effective strikers we've had in the last five years. So we know what he's like. We know what he's about. Some of the players we've got still now will know what he's like and what he's about. So we need to be very careful that we you know deal with him appropriately and, and prevent kind of cut off the supply to him. I tend to agree with you. I think creatively they've not got much in the midfield but they are once they get the ball up to the strikers I think I've always rated Ashley Barnes I think he's probably one of the most underrated strikers in the Prem for his ability to finish the chances he gets he always gets a decent goal tally and uh, some good performances Chris Wood we know what he's about he's a good player so we, we just need to and they've got a good keeper as well yeah Nick Pope you can see it is Nick Pope and I was I was trying to think it between him and Tommy Eaton but you were saying earlier that Tommy Eaton's obviously in 23 yeah, yeah be, um, Nick Pope um, and yeah, Nick... Bailey Peacock Fowl of course oh, I hope they play Peacock foul, like we bang like six past him. Um, <laughs> yeah, Nick Pope is a fantastic keeper. There's a, there's a reason he's constantly on people's lips when it comes to uh, talking about the England team. He's, he's a good keeper. He's probably better than John Pickford, to be honest with you. Yeah. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to be very good to get the to get the points here. But I'm wary of the game. But you know, I think I think it's definitely possible that we can go there and win. I don't think there's anything stopping us from doing that. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the game is definitely there. You know, there's there's definitely something in the game for Leeds United, but it's just, yeah, we can't underestimate them, and we need to be on top of our game because you know Burnley they do have threats, you know, especially at, you know at set pieces, and uh, yeah, but we're definitely going to have to be uh, be cautious, really. Um, and Sean Dyche's side have uh, picked up a bit of form in recent weeks. Uh, they beat Wolves two one at home on Monday uh, to make it two wins and two draws in the last four games. Uh, they've lost just one in the last six. Uh, that was, of course, 5-0 defeat uh, against Manchester City. Uh, but no, Burnley, uh, one loss in, in the last six. They've climbed away from the bottom three. Uh, as they now sit uh, in 16th on 13 points, three points above the relegation zone, and just four points behind us as well. So, um, you know, you know, Charles, you know, going into this, it's one of those teams that, you know, you need to be picking up points against if you want to stay up, you know, especially at home. But, you know, it's also equally as important because if, you know, if we lose this, you know, we could be pulled into a relegation battle so it's important to win this really so we don't get pulled into a relegation scrap yeah i wouldn't say it's a must win i would say it's a must not lose we don't want to get dragged into that i think a draw would be an okay result but i think we do yeah. need to win it i want to be i want to be on 20 points by the end of the calendar year i think that's a 
it's a good benchmark for us. And I think we, we can beat them. There's nothing to say we can't beat them. Yeah. Yeah. Enough to say we can't beat them. We just need to, uh, yeah, ho- hope that we can bounce back from that heavy defeat uh, last weekend. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah I, de- I definitely wouldn't say that it's a must win, but yeah, must not lose. But it would be nice to win and yeah, end off the year on um, on 20 points. Um, if history is anything to go by, uh, Leeds should bounce back here. We have a great record against Burnley overall. We've played 60, won 31, drawn 11 and lost just 18. Uh, the last time we faced them uh, in the top flight uh, was in uh, April 1976, where we beat them uh, 2-1 at home. Uh, we did the double over them last season, uh, over them uh, in that season, rather. Um, our record against Burnley in recent years, though, isn't too great. Uh, just two wins and one draw in the last seven. Uh, the last meeting, of course, we won on penalties in the League Cup, uh, in the League Cup tie away at Turf Moor. Had a Haddy Sacco scored, I remember that game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and the last time we faced him at Ellen Road was in August 2015. We drew one all there. Antonucci scored a world class goal in that game. But yeah, can we the win here? Do you think? Can, can we? Uh, can we pick up the three points here? What's your score prediction? I'll back the lads going then. I'll go for a two-one victory. I'm going to go three-one. I think. I think we can. Uh, I think we can win quite convincingly. I, I, I do. Yeah. Three three points here. Uh, yeah, three-one to Leeds United. Hopefully. Um, yeah, hopefully. Legion United can pick up uh, maximum points on Sunday. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 82 of the All Things Leeds podcast. Uh, thank you very much, as always, to Charles for joining me remotely, of course. Cheers for having me on, mate. No worries. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family, mate. Hopefully you all have a good one. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you all, too. And uh, Merry Christmas as well to everyone listening and watching right now, uh, if you do celebrate it, of course. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Hopefully you all have a fantastic one. And we appreciate you, as always, listening uh, to this podcast. If you did join, then uh, make sure to uh, follow or uh, subscribe on whatever platform you are on right now. Give us a five-star rating on uh, Apple Podcasts if you're listening on there. Share share the podcast around as well. It really does help us out. Uh, make sure to follow All Things Leads on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for All Things Leads 1 on Twitter and Instagram, search Paul Things Leads on Facebook and on YouTube as well. Uh, yeah, that'll make my Christmas, having uh, more followers. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> if you want if you want to give us a Christmas present, then make sure to uh, share and, uh, yeah, follow as well. Uh, but, yeah, Charles and I will be back uh, next week. Uh, so, until then, take care, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, have a very Merry Christmas. <laughs>